Hey everyone, I hope your holiday season is going well and you all are staying as safe as you possibly can. Just wanted to welcome you here to the last episode of 2020. Uh, on the last episode of the podcast, I know we talked a little bit about the 49ers and sports and kind of how it's had an impact on the way that it's changed the way we live this year and also just changed the way that we've thought this year in particular. Today, I kind of wanted to take those thoughts and take a deeper dive into it and look particularly at the 49ers again right over here um and what it's like to be a huge fan of the team so the essential question for this week what is it like to be a die hard fan of sports to answer this i brought on one of the most respected voices of 49ers twitter vish kumarin vish is a die hard 49er fan like myself and during this conversation we talk about why we became fans and some of our favorite athletes that have worn the 49er uniform in addition, we talk about some of our favorite stories of being 49er fans, along with the current state of the team, as well as addressing the well-known 49er QB situation. It was a pleasure to talk to Vish, and if you're a big 49er fan and you haven't already seen him on Twitter, go ahead and follow him at Vish Kumarin, and as well as go ahead and subscribe to his YouTube channel where he talks more sports, NFL and NBA, with his friend Blake. Their channel is called Blake and Vish Sports. I'll link it down below here in the YouTube in on the YouTube version, and I will also link it in the Spotify version. So please go check them out. They're really awesome, and if you're a big sports fan, they're a must subscribe. Without further ado, though, here it is: the last podcast of 2020 with Vish. What it's like to be a diehard sports fan. We're live with the fifth episode of the Essential Question Podcast, coming to you live from my parents' house. I'm Anuj, and today I'm honored to have, as my friends have deemed him, the Indian Adam Schefter. Vish, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? It's a pretty funny nickname. <laughs> yeah, dude. A lot of my friends, big Niner fans out here in the Bay Area, um, and a lot of my friends have just loved hearing Grant's content, and they have given you that nickname, so... Well, I'm glad to hear that. It's really <laughs> nice to hear. You're on the come up, bro. Um, but let's get right into it. Vish has limited time, so we're just going to, you know, hop right in. Um, so today, uh, I figured the essential question would be, what does it mean to be a diehard sports fan? And I guess what both me and Vish have in common is that we're both big nine, diehard Niner fans. I got my jersey on, Garoppolo. Um, but Vish... Uh, just uh, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the people that are watching that don't know you? Yeah, um, I'm Vish. I'm a big Niners fan. I've been an, I'm 21. I've been a Niners fan since I was about four years old. Die hard. I, I can't remember missing many games over the last 17 years or so. I feel like I've watched almost all of them. I kind of built my schedule for college. Like <laughs> my weeks, I built my weeks about getting to Sunday and keeping the entire Sunday free to just watch football and enjoy it that way. So that means if I have to spend a couple extra hours on a Wednesday or Thursday working with my school stuff, so I don't have to do anything on Sunday, I do that. So yeah, I mean, the NFL has kind of been the thing that I, it's been my go-to the last three years or so. Like, Hey, if I want to do something in my free time, it's home to watch football. Yeah, man, that's definitely relatable. Like I, when I, 
I've been watching Niner games not quite as long as you have just because like I got into it because of my brother and stuff and he got into it more so like when they started to get like decent which was like that weird six and ten season I think oh nine was it Mm -hmm. um yeah with Singletary and like how the Seahawks made the playoffs in seven and nine so that was like the first season I really got into it but like as soon as you just like get into it like it just it's been like a blur like I feel like I it's been like 11 years, which is insane. And like you were saying, like I build my whole schedule around it. Like every time my family's like, oh yeah, let's do something on Sunday. I'm like, nah, like I got, I got Niner football. Sorry. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Which, you know, does create a lot of havoc at our house, but both my parents understand because both me and my brother are like diehard Niner fans, but you know, it is what it is. And I guess my first question, which leads right into it is how'd you become a Niners fan and who really got you into it? I know we talked a little bit about it, like off camera, but yeah. Yeah, it's all my dad. Uh, my dad, so he's an uh, immigrant to this country. He's from India, but I was born and brought up here my whole life. And my dad came here, he was doing his PhD at NASA in aerospace engineering. And when he was doing it, this was early 90s, height of Niners Cowboys rivalry. His roommate happened to be a Cowboys fan. And the way he tells me the story is that he started following the Niners just to take his roommate off, like just to say, look, the Niners are better than the Cowboys. And then it became a thing for him. And he's a big sports fanatic in every sense of the manner. So he got really into football. And I remember, I mean, I have kind of a weird memory in the sense that I remember a lot of distinct things. So, like, even though I wasn't really that conscious, I remember when I was two or three years old, me and my sister arguing with my dad over the TV remote, well, because, oh, he just wants to watch football. And I watched one football game with him for the first time. The first game I ever saw was, it was a wild card playoff game, Mark Bolger's Rams versus Matt Hasselback Seahawks. I think it's the year before they went to the Super Bowl with Sean Alexander's MVP year. This was when they had Walter Jones, Steve Hutchinson. They used to run the ball left all the right, time. Right. This was that team. First game I saw, and I kind of got hooked ever since. You know, my dad being a Niners fan really got me into Niners fandom. And <laughs> when I was little, I used to get every football book I could get my hands on and all Then I would memorize everybody's statistics. I mean, like I knew Jerry Rice's statistics when I was five and I had no connection to Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of a cool party trick that way. Like yeah. adults would be like, hey, which guy in 1992 <laughs> led the league in receiving? And I'd be like, oh, Jerry you were like the encyclopedia kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's stuff that if you ask me now, I couldn't recall, but I knew right. it then. And I got super interested that way. And then it just became, it just kept growing and growing. And it's always been my number one, like, if you ask me outside of what I actually do, like my hobbies, it's always been the thing that I look at and say, I love watching football. I love talking about football with people. I love analyzing football. It's, 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 I just like it. For sure. I mean, for me, like, I didn't have so much of that history, you know, because like none of my family was like into the Niners in the 90s or the 2000s. Like it really kind of started like in that late 2000s. So I had to kind of go back and like watch all the history, you know, like I would watch, like when I first got into Niner football, like I would go back and watch like those specials on NFL Network with like America's Game, 94 Super Bowl, America's Game. I loved America's Game. I was a big America's Game fan. Yeah, and just like- I love the presentation as much as I love the story. Right, right. It's incredible. I mean, I just like, I just love how they like built it up, you know? And like, I actually went back and watched uh, recently, like a couple weeks ago when I was down on the Niners. I was like, oh, like I need some inspiration to continue to like, you know 
fulfill my fandom. And like, I went back and I think it was, what was the team? I, I don't remember the exact year, but it was like, they had the team meeting with Ronnie Lott. Um, and that like invigorated the team. And like, they went, like they won, I think they won out the rest of the season and like went and made their Super Bowl run. I know what uh, you're talking about. It's you know what I'm talking team. about, right? I think it's either 88 or 84. Yeah, I watched that and I was looking at our Niners record. I was like, let's go, Fred Warner, calling a team meeting. We got to do this. Like, <laughs> I remember texting my brother and he was like, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's cool to learn about like the history and like where this team has come from and just to like, you know, see it now and compare and everything and that's why I love Grant and Lowell when they do their podcast like it's so cool to see like Lowell talk about the past and like Grant kind of just like in the present and just like Mm -hmm. how they kind of build off each other I think that's super dope yeah yeah so uh, this isn't just another quick question like are you a fan of any other sports teams like are the Niners your primary I mean yeah the Niners are my primary I'm a big basketball fan and I'm a big soccer fan because Mm -hmm. I grew up playing soccer that was my sport for sure I played it since I was five. I swam too, but I quit. Once swimming and soccer started clashing, I wanted to play soccer. It's my first passion. If you asked eight-year-old me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have told you I wanted to be a soccer player. Like, I liked it that much. It just nice. so happens that you can't be a 5'11", 140-pound, skinny Indian kid and <laughs> have that kind of success, especially if you're not the most aggressive yeah. player. Not what was your position? I was, I mean, I played everywhere growing up, but I really settled into playing like an outside mid role in my high school years. But Mm -hmm. before then, I was kind of positionless, which was kind of hard when I first started trying out for high school and stuff. It was like, well, where am I going to play? Like, I played everywhere growing up. But yeah. That's cool. I know. But yeah, so going back, I'm a big Pistons fan. Chauncey Billups was my favorite player when I was little. I'm a Pistons fan, but it's hard to be a basketball fan and be a fan of a team the way the NBA is trending these days. Like if you're a Lakers fan, you can share that kind of <laughs> pedigree and stuff with the team, but you can't do that if you're a Pistons fan. So yeah. I'm, I'm more watch basketball for the players. You know, I like watching LeBron. I like Kawhi. Mm-hmm. I like Kevin Durant. Like, even though he ticks me off because of what he did. <laughs> so I just like watching players like that. And then when it comes to soccer, I'm an Arsenal fan. Right. Again, there's not a lot to like there, but because I played, I also like watching play styles. So I'm not the Arsenal fan that just hates Liverpool. Like, mm-hmm. I like watching Liverpool play. I like the way they play. I like Klopp. I like Mo Salah. I, I think Sadio Mane is as good yeah. as anybody in the world. So, yeah, I just – besides Messi, Ronaldo, obviously. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, for me, football, I think, would be my primary. Where When you tell me, like, my loyalty with the Niners is unlike in any other sport. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, it's just, like, kind of based on where, like, I grew up, you know, like, born and raised in the Bay. Like – it's it's just been like Niner Warrior all day every day. Like my first memory, like with the Warriors, was like I think it was uh, 2000, 2009 or two thousand ten. It was like Steph Curry was playing the Toronto Raptors, and both of them were just such shitty teams at the time. And it was just it was like I I swear to God, like that was like magic on screen. Just watching Curry just hit threes from like 30, 40 feet out, and it was just like wow, like. I like that guy. And it was like, I want to be a fan of him. And like, I guess like for me, a lot of it has to do with like location and community. Like I'm a big location community guy. Um, And, you know, like being again, brought up in the Bay area, like I'm very proud of where I'm from. And so like, you know, got to have all my posters up and I feel like it's, but I feel like it's interesting when you talk about like team identity and like where they come from, you know, like I see it with the Niners, like, you know, yes, like it, the Niners are based in Silicon Valley, which is like a very like white collar environment, but they have that like 
that fight and that grit, which is like, you know, Silicon Valley is one of the places in the world that's like a majority, you know, immigrant population. And like, there's a lot of, like my parents are immigrants and like a lot of people who've like built their way up to get to that life, you know? So I could like kind of see like the identity of teams and how it like conflicts with like the location, you know, like you look at Detroit, like you were talking about, like it's a tough city. And like you look at the nineties bad boys, like they were just tough, tough guys. Like that's just an interesting concept. Like, yeah i mean there is something to that right like yeah if you're if you like take the chicago bears right I, i'm i've i've been an, i've been ca- uh deemed a bears hater a lot in my life a lot <laughs> which of is times ironic because you're from chicago <laughs> i mean yeah i mean a lot of times i just talk smack about the bears with people yeah. at school and stuff just to get a little sports conversation going <laughs> and i just really didn't like the bears but they haven't had a franchise quarterback in their history. At least I've never, not that one I know. People say Sid Luckman, but does he really count? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every, they've had a few successful teams built on running game, playing defense, super physical. They're really physical up front, that kind of thing. So, yeah, what you're saying does make sense because Chicago is a blue coll- very blue-collar city. It's Midwest. Right. It's cold. Yeah. How's the weather out there? Is it, is it cold right now, like December? Actually, it's not too bad, you know. Uh, we it usually gets colder. I I feel yeah. like it hasn't been that bad. Granted, yeah. I've this is probably the least I've gone outside mm-hmm. during this time in my life. So right, you're gonna hate me for saying this. We have the heater on in our house, and it's 60 degrees in NorCal. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I was just gonna ask you, like, this is just I bet this is something you've thought about probably a lot of your life. But like, rank like, if you had to like and no particular order, like, rank your top five, like, favorite 49ers of all time, just, like, based on, like, how you connect with the athlete, you know, like, if you, like, your favorite, five favorite 49ers, no order. Jeez, that's a tough one. That's actually <laughs> one I've never thought about. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like all the Niners players to such a point that there's, like, only, like, three or four players I haven't liked over the years, and those are mm-hmm. usually the guys I think about, but if I was to rank them, Definitely a guy that would be on there is Michael Crabtree for me. I I used to watch college football a lot more than I do now, but I remember watching college football in 2008 and Texas Tech coming on TV, and I was like, wow, this Crabtree guy is insane. And then he made the catch over Earl Thomas against Texas to win the game, ruining Colt McCoy's Heisman campaign, and I was, like, obsessed with him. I didn't think the Niners were going to get him. Them getting him was, like, the coolest thing for me. He turned out to be a little bit of a diva and maybe wasn't – or, I mean, I guess he, he wasn't a diva necessarily, but he wasn't, like, a blue-collar kind of guy either. He was kind of a different kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really connect with fans, you know, after he got drafted, especially with the whole Eugene Parker. He didn't sign right away, missed the first six games and all of that. There was all – and then the 2011 championship game when Corey Webster put, put him in lock and key. Yeah. But – for me, he was always a player I rooted for. I always liked him. I cheered for him when he went to Oakland. And he, I thought he had a good career overall, but he's definitely a guy that makes my list. For sure. Uh, number two is my current favorite player in the NFL. I think he's my favorite player on the 49ers, and he has to make this list. He's up there is Debo Samuel. I, I love Debo Samuel. He's my favorite player in the NFL. I love everything he represents. The third, my third favorite player probably would be Navarro Bowman. I was a big Navarro Bowman fan. I, I, I thought he got robbed of defensive player of the year in 2013. 
he I I he was one of the best players I've ever seen. And it's funny because everybody forgets, right? And I love Fred Warner. He might right. make the list that we're making right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. One of yeah. my favorite players. But people just throw out these comparisons so quickly and so I don't easy. think you can, you know. Yeah. He was better than Bo. Bo was a four time all pro in six years. Right. And three of them were first team. Pat was five time first team all pro in seven years. Like those kind of accolades, like very few people live up to them. And you know, Fred Warner's really great. He's the best linebacker in the NFL right now, middle linebacker, arguably. And he, he's hopefully going to be that for the next 10 years. But to say he was, he's better than what they are now for me is a little. It's a little so stretch. Three, it's a right? stretch. Yeah. Yeah. So that's three. That's Debo, Michael Crabtree, Navarro Bowman. Right. I'm trying to think. I mean, can you make a list about favorite Niners without Frank Gore? Come on. Yeah, Frank yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, so Frank Gore would be there for me. And then the fifth guy for me is going to be Alden Smith. You know, okay. Alden Smith, yeah. he didn't have the Niners career I wish he had. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of problems. Seems that he's gotten over them. That's amazing for him. But We're going to see him tomorrow. Somebody yeah. just walk into the NFL and dominate the way Alden Smith did. And, you know, I, I got the – I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to talk to Joukowsky Tart. Who I was going to ask you about Jimmy that. Ward oh, yeah. pretty close to making this list, to be fair. But uh, I got the opportunity to talk to him. And in, a, in that interview, I asked him, hey, who's who do you think is the best player you've ever seen on the football field? And he spent two weeks with Alden Smith in training camp. And the most telling thing to me was that he said it was Alden Smith. So uh, Alden Smith makes the list for me. So my five favorite, I mean, it's, it's so hard because I feel like I left out so many guys I love. Right. But right. it's Michael Crabtree, Debo Samuel, Navarro Bowman, Frank Gore, and Alden Smith. Yeah. I mean, I'll go through mine real quick. You gave such a nice detailed explanation. Honestly, for some of these guys, it's just like I like their vibe and I just kind of go based on that. Um, but my number one favorite Niner of all time Uh, I think this is someone you've talked a lot about on Grant's show. One of my favorite, like, just individuals, absolute class act, Alex Smith. I mean, oh, yeah. He is, like, the epitome of, like, what I would want, like, if I ever have kids, like, my child to grow up to be. Like, he is just such a fantastic individual. When he would, like, he just went through crap with the Niners, too, for six years, all the different offensive coordinators, all the different systems. And I feel like it's weird because I feel like the organization as the Niners didn't necessarily treat him that well. But, no, they didn't. But the fan base just adores Alex. I mean, I – No, I don't think – Really? Go, go, not to interrupt you, Mike. Yeah, no, go for it. One great selection of Alex Smith. Yeah. I actually totally – he was totally omitted. I didn't even think of him. But he absolutely should be very close to my list or making it. And two, I think the fan base appreciates him now, but I don't think they particularly treated him well when he was a number one overall pick and he had to go through the six coordinators, the shoulder, the two head coaches were not deserving to be head coaches. The Niners were a bad organization that ruined a very excellent player in Alex Smith. For sure. No, I mean, I, I agree with you to some extent. I guess, like, what I mean by fan base is, like, a lot of my friends growing up, we were all big Alex fans. And, like, we just – we loved the way the guy would play football. You know, yes, he would check it down on third and eight, which pissed a lot of people off. And, like, it continues to this day. But, um, but yeah, I could see, like, where you're coming from in terms of just, like, the whole – as a whole. Like, I think the Niners fan base really was uh, pretty anti-Alex Smith. Second guy, I think, is another guy who I absolutely love. And I think the team is falling apart without him this year in terms of just leadership is Joe Staley. 
another fantastic class A individual. Just, I mean, when he would do like the little like Niner YouTube videos, I don't know if you've seen him where he did like karaoke with Mike McGlinchey. Some of the funniest things I've ever seen. The Joe uh, Show is one of the best. Joe Show. Yeah. 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 And so Joe Staley was another one of my favorites. I had Alden as well um, on that list. Just the pure talent that that, that Alden had at defensive – was defensive end. Um, he was just so, like, the power, like, he would just have just right off the tee. And it was just, like, as a fan and as a kid watching him was just incredible. Like, he was one of the best, like, pure football talents I've ever seen. And like you said, like, um, you know, he's obviously gone through a lot, like, in his personal life with the DUIs and, uh, you know, various other incidents. But it seems to be, you know, good for him now. You know, he seems to be on the right track. And, you know, I'm excited to actually get to see him with Dallas. I want to see what he can do. Hopefully he doesn't destroy us too hard. Uh, it might be a little ego blow. But um, I, and my fourth favorite uh, Niner is actually someone who very recently left the team. I was just crushed when uh, John Lynch and – or not John Lynch. Uh, no, uh, I was crushed when they decided to trade him. That's to Forrest Buckner. Um, this was like last offseason, so not like very recently. But, yeah, relatively recently. DeForest Buckner was just – he was one of those guys that I just respected because he – no matter what the team was, if they were 2-14 and 14 or 14-2, and two, he was just the guy that would just be like, you know what? I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to put up 10 and a half stacks and I don't care. And like that I can respect, you know, it's just like, no matter how bad your team is, no matter how good your team is, he was just a constant contributor to that defense. And I just felt like the Niners kind of did him a little dirty trading him. That was just my opinion. I, me and my brother were both so sad when they decided to keep Eric Armstead. We had many choice words, which I will not reveal on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, DeForest Buckner. And then, like you said, how can you have a favorite 49er list without including the best, one of my favorite Niners of all time, Frank Gore. I mean, the guy was just, he was, he was the team in a lot of ways. Like, you know, Draymond is like the heart of the Warriors. Frank Gore was the heart of the Niners for so many years and uh, many great memories of him uh, growing up. I actually have a shirt of his. That was my first Niners shirt that I ever had. And I actually got Jimmy to sign it. That's a story. Uh, wow. So, so I went to training camp. This was what, two years ago. And, um, we like, or no, yeah, two years ago, uh, right before the uh, Super Bowl season last year. So, uh, and we were there and it was just like, if you ever get the chance to go to training camp, it's amazing. I mean, you just get to see all these players up close and it's like, it's really cool. Like George Kittle's massive. Like the man is huge when you see him in person. He's like, they, they like list him at six four, six five. The man looked like six nine. He's just straight jacked. I was like, bro, what? Like, if I had to go up against this guy to fight, I would run the other way, like, immediately. <laughs> um, but, no, we got to see Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy was signing autographs at the at the end. And Jimmy is one of my favorite players. Like, I love Jimmy. I got his jersey. I know you have choice words on Garoppolo. Um, but I, like, I went and showed – I had my Frank Gore shirt, and I was like – and I just, like, held it out for him to sign it. He kind of looked at me weird, and he just smiled, and he just signed it. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my story of how Jimmy Garoppolo signed sure yeah so that yeah was, no yeah no i don't have choice words about jimmy you know as a yeah. person i'm a jimmy fan jimmy's from like an area that's 40 minutes from my house yeah i go to college with people that had his brother for their height as their high school teacher that's so that cool. know him that way and stuff and before his brother moved to san 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 francisco 
uh, to move with Jimmy. So like, I'm a, I'm a Jimmy fan. Mm -hmm. I I would love, like, I think every, every Niners, you're not a Niners fan. If your reality and your, what you would like and what you wish for and what you dream of is for Jimmy Garoppolo to be the quarterback. He looks like he could be like, he looks like the guy you want as your quarterback. Exactly. He's incredible. (laughs) It's just unfortunate that there's a standard and a level of play that he's just not reached. Right. I agree with you on that front. And I agree. I think personally, a lot of Niner fans are actually huge fans of Jimmy as a person. I think he, he's a really good guy. And I think like from what I've seen of him, he just like, he does all the right things. He says all the right things. He, he is a competitor. He fights to the death. Like he's, he's great in that, in that sense. But in terms of just him as a quarterback, I mean, you've seen kind of just the, the collapse from, you know, the end of that NSC championship game where I call one of the turning points of his career, um, you know, to the ACL injury. And then, I mean, I, I just like, when I saw him against Seattle, like he just looked like a completely different quarterback. Like from when I saw him in 2017 and he was my man crush Monday, like he, it was just completely different. And, um, but we can get into Jimmy later. Uh, I just, I was going to, uh, ask you what some of your favorite Niner memories were like in terms of just being a Niner fan do you have any cool stories or anything um, just like relating to games you know that's that's a tough question it's right on the spot uh, I think the Saints game Alex Smith running for the touchdown that's yeah. a memory for everybody else for everybody for me one that sticks out is so I was I went to India in December I think of 2013 I would like to say Mm-hmm. 2013 yeah and that was when the Niners played the Bucks on and the Falcons they played the Bucks in Tampa Bay with Colin Kaepernick Michael yeah. Crabtree had a touchdown catch the pick at the stick yeah and then yeah. they had the candlestick game with Navarro Bowman and uh Colin Kaepernick and what was really cool was when I was in India like obviously I can't like in 2013 there weren't like reddit working reddit streams in right, India to right. watch the game mm-hmm. so I used to get up at one in the morning and I would read the play-by-play on nfl.com really <laughs> yeah. cool. what's why this sticks out as a memory is because yeah. I watch every game with my dad I've been watching every game with my dad since I was four or five years old mm-hmm. and he stayed on the phone with me the entire game. And I would Aww. ask him, I'd be like, look, Michael Crabtree catch 10 yards. And he would describe it. Frank Gore run two yards. He would describe each play to me. And the mm. fact that he had the patience to do that and the fact that I was still able to watch the game live, even though I wasn't watching, I was able to somewhat picture what's going on was really cool. That really stands out as a memory. And then Obviously, just these last two, the two Super Bowl runs, like overall those two seasons, like looking back at them, the ups and downs, the excitement, like, man, like losing the Super Bowl earlier this year was horrible. It was hard to watch. Like, I thought I was over that point as a fan where it bothered me that much, but I felt like throwing up after they lost the Super Bowl. Did you cry? No, I I haven't cried over a Niners game since like. I, I cried 11, I, that was the one game I like I, it was in college and we were all like in our dorm room like in the lounge and everyone was just like watching the game and I had it on and everyone knew I'm like the biggest diehard Niners fan in like our whole building and I was just watching the game and I was like acting out Jimmy Garoppolo's like throwing movements last seven minutes of the game like it got bad um and then like when they lost like I just fucking went outside slammed the door and like went to this tree and just started crying I was so upset I mean that was like where I was like wow like I'm really emotionally involved I need to like emotionally distance myself from this game 
yeah, you know, I had, I had, I had a little bit of that realization. I maintained that emotional distance for about a week. When everything <laughs> in sports was talking Chiefs, and then yeah. I, I was back. Same, I same. Back. I was back. I was back. So, but for me, as I was saying, the what I do miss is man, the excitement, the it's kind of like before you take an exam, even though you're not invested, you're not a part of this, but you know, your stomach's doing those gymnastics, that excitement to go watch a Niners game. Like I haven't gotten that once this year since week one. And then week two, when Bosa and all those guys went down, it kind of felt over there. And then Mm -hmm. they kind of got back, but I didn't get that same emotional attachment, that enjoyment that, Oh my God, I'm so thrilled that to watch the Niners play. They're in the thick of things like that. That hasn't Mm -hmm. been there this year. And I mean, part of it is, I mean, is Nick Mullen starting at quarterback is not the most uh, yeah. fun thing to watch. It's like every game, you know, it's like you're still cheering for him, right? You're still cheering for the guy. And every game, it's like, when's he turning the football over? That's what, that's how I watch these games, you know? It's right. like, well, it's like, he's going to throw a yeah. pick. He's going to throw a pick. Every time he throws, even when he makes, because he makes some good throws every single game. And even when he makes good throws, it's like I can't even really appreciate it right away on the spot. Just exactly. Just him throwing one up for grabs, throwing one up for grabs. So he's taking years off my life that way. Like, <laughs> I thought Jimmy was yeah. taking years off my life. And he is Jimmy times two when it comes to turnovers, if that's even possible. Mm-hmm. So there's a – there's – I just miss that, you know, like we were talking about good Niners memories. Those yeah. two seasons were good memories, but yeah. just that excitement that you get from your team winning, even though the, it comes with the disappointment, I love that peaks and valleys kind of emotional roller coaster Absolutely. rather than this year, which you've yeah. kind of gotten yourself wrapped around that reality. Like mm-hmm. this is what it is. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to watch, I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm not going to get up and down, you know, just yeah. Be, what's happening i mean like like you were saying with the whole um like peaks and valleys like people talk about great television shows and great films right sports is the best tv show out there like it's going 24 7 365 something is happening constantly you know what i mean and it's like it's the best tv show because there's always drama there's always you know exciting moments like everything and that's how i kind of think about like my niners fandom and my warriors fandom is just like i'm watching the television show and it's like, except this just feels more real because it's like stuff that like, it's just athletic competition. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, this is a, uh, I was just going to tell like my favorite Niners story uh, was uh, it happened 2011 wildcard game was uh, the catch three, I think is what the, uh, what we call it. Um, the Vernon Davis. The Vernon Davis catch. So this is 2011 and me and my dad are watching the game and I'm like jumping up and down. I'm like, let's go, like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like nine seconds left, right? Alex Smith drops back and he drops back and he's throwing he threw the with ball. 14, I thought. What? Was, was it 14? It I don't remember the exact seconds. You, you probably can get me on that. But I don't I remember. I thought it was 14. I don't know. I just sure. remember nine seconds for some reason. I don't know why. But I'll tell you why I think I remember nine seconds. Because I remember looking up at the score and it said nine seconds and my TV shuts off. And I'm like, what? And like my receiver, like completely shut out. And this is 2011. There's no Twitter. There's no, you know, like you were saying, like in 2013, there's no Twitter, NFL streams, nothing. So I had to go to my computer or like our desktop computer and like look it up. And like, it takes a while because it's not like immediate Google, like where you can look up a Google, Google a score right now. And it will just come up like 2320. Like you have to go to NFL.com through the play-by-play everything. And then it was like 20 minutes later, it was like Alex Smith, complete Vernon Davis touchdown. I was like, <laughs> Like that was, 
that was probably one of my uh, one of my all time like favorite stories. Monday night against Cleveland last year, I was in the library. I was studying for a test, and uh, I was just like doing my work. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm just going to turn on the Cleveland game. Like, what could happen during the first play? You you know what happens the first play of the game it was just Breda. That Matt Breida 75 yard touchdown and I start screaming in the live row. I was like let's go got kicked out but you know that's it was worth it in my opinion I was it was just one of those things I'm not gonna forget um, but yeah those are a couple of my favorites and then of course like I like to call it like the Jimmy Five in 2017 just the like I don't know how to like describe that it was just like one of those weird seasons where it was like we're one in ten. And we were just, you know, getting pummeled. C.J. Beathard was just getting pummeled behind the line. And then, like, this mysterious allure of Jimmy Garoppolo just walks into the locker room, and they just look like the best team in football for five weeks. Like, I know they beat up on some bad teams. They played Chicago that year. They played the Texans, I think. Well, Jacksonville and Tennessee were playoff teams that right, year. Right, 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 right. I'm not saying that, like, all the teams were bad. They they had great games against Tennessee and Jacksonville, and there was that 49 hours clip of Jimmy Garoppolo going through the two-minute drill. Me and my brother have probably watched that a collective yeah, total about the, 300 times. Yeah, I think that sound effects, that sound effects really misled a lot of people. They thought, we, they thought this was the next Tom Brady. Yeah. Just because of that, yeah. And, like, do you remember? It was um, – I forget. Like, during the 49 Hours video, they're playing, like, Lose Yourself in the background, and Eminem and, – and, like, Eminem's going, and, like, Jimmy's, like, throwing the ball. I was like, oh, I got so pumped. I no, like, I don't remember that. What I do remember is him <laughs> telling Marquise Goodwin, hey, just bend your route inside. Be a football yeah. player. Be a football player. Yeah. I, oh, my gosh. That was so funny. Um, I Yeah, but me – and then do you remember the highlight against the Seahawks where Jimmy rolls out to the left, I think? And yeah, he his first his throw to Lewis Murphy. Yeah, that was just like – oh, my gosh. Like, my me and my friends at school have watched that highlight like two, three thousand times. Like, we were like, this guy's Montana. Jimmy Montana. Like, I remember tweeting, Jimmy Montana, let's go. That tweet does not age well. Um, <laughs> but, yeah – it's still one of the best throws of his career, actually. So. It was, yeah, it was an exciting, it was an exciting day. Um, and I was just gonna ask you one more question about like the sports-related stuff. We could get into more of the analytics or like the technical stuff. Um, I was just gonna ask you, like, has being a Niners fan like made you interested in like the Bay Area as, more as like a whole? Like, have you found yourself more interested in the Bay or no, no? It's just uh, I'm not a Warriors fan. I'm not okay. a Warriors fan at all. <laughs> I, I I'm a I'm a I'm a basketball analytics guy and all of that, but I I'm I'll I'll say it right now for your podcast. I think I'm gonna lose a lot of fans right here. Yeah. But I don't have that many to begin with. I'm not a big Steph Curry fan. What? But yeah, I I I I'm so one thing you have to understand about me is I'm very anti-national media. I I hate how the national media pumps up certain players and doesn't pump up others. It really bothers me because I think there's no merit to who they pump up. Right. It's just based on who they like and why they don't like other guys. And my problem has always been where when Steph Curry does the mouth guard chewing and the shimmying and the throwing ta- and throwing the mouth guard and all of that, it's always been deemed cute, lovable, and it's always had a positive connotation around it. But with other players like mean mugging and all of that, it's always been, well, oh, he's not a team guy. He's selfish. I get he- that. He taunts other players. He's a trash talker. Mm-hmm. All these things. I don't like that duality of two narratives. And my second thing 
with Steph Curry is that I think there's I think that his achievements often get so overblown. Like people say he changed the game of basketball, but the game of basketball was trending towards three-point shooting. Even like look at the way the Miami Heat played in 2012. They were playing mm-hmm. small with Chris Bosh as a center and Shane Battier as a center already then. They used to have lineups with LeBron as a center. So it's not like basketball wasn't trending towards that already. He's the guy that capitalized on it. And the third thing that bothers me is that people act like the Mark Jackson years didn't exist. And he's started his career since Steve Kerr came there. And that's a Hall of Fame trajectory. Where I would argue is that if you look at his skill set from a talent standpoint, numbers standpoint, team production standpoint, with Mark Jackson, he was an excellent player. No doubt about it. I agree with you. Was he significantly better than what Damian Lillard is doing right now with Terry Stotts and that not very good team? Going being a six seed in the West every single year and losing in the first round, losing in the second round, I'd argue no. With what Chris Paul did with the New Orleans Hornets back in the day, taking old Pages Stojakovic, 60 games, David West, and all those guys to the second and third round of the playoffs, I'd argue no. But his achievements, because he got to play and he's in a unique situation, I feel like it's been overblown. Is he still an all-time great player? Yes. Is he still a top 20 all-time great player? Probably. But if you ask me, like, best point guards in my last lifetime and stuff, is he definitively one for me? No. I feel like because the analytics community embraced him and because the media has embraced who he is, unlike for other players like James Harden, who's analytically as efficient as anybody, analytics community has not embraced him the same way they embrace Steph. Media has never embraced him the same way they've embraced Steph, even though he's taken some horrible teams very deep in the playoffs. Has he choked? Yes, but he's taken some horrible teams very deep in the playoffs. I mean, the team that the year Russell Westbrook won MVP 2017, he took a horrible team and they won 53 games. Only LeBron, I feel like, has taken bad teams that far and in the regular season and stuff before. I mean, not to talk about basketball and get on a rant. I just, I just, it's, it's not actually, it's not Steph that bothers me. He's the ultimate great guy. He's the Mm -hmm. ultimate teammate. He's a great player. It's the coverage of Steph that really irks at me. And I, it's just, it's just that entire with, I, it's just the entire, well, why does the media choose to highlight this guy instead of this guy? What does this guy have that that guy doesn't have? I mean, I, I totally agree with you in terms of just like, uh, like national media. And I think national media and football is utterly ridiculous. Like, I think there's just so many wrong things, but I, tend to disagree with you in terms of sometimes of like how Curry has been covered in national media. He's had his fair share of doubters. I can tell you that like there's um, particularly, I would say like, I would say he has a lot of supporters. I would say like Colin Cowherd is very, very much like pro Curry, but like in terms where I would disagree with you is that yeah, when you're a Curry fan, right? You see the one or two detractors of Curry as many instead of the eight, uh, so I'm a LeBron fan, right? Right. And I think LeBron has a lot of detractors when he actually only has one in the national media, right? Mm-hmm. He only has one real guy who really criticizes yeah. him in the national media. So I, that's where I would say, like, if you're – that means, like, for the most part, LeBron is covered, like, pretty fairly and pretty positively. He's just got that one detractor. So that's where um, I would say, yeah. like – you see the two guys, you hear only the two guys that say the bad things about him rather than the eight guys who right. say the positive things about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get that. And you're kind of taking it like a step back. I guess maybe I'm too fanny to like even like realize um, in terms of just like how Curry is covered by the media. But uh, yeah, and just I have 
just too many positive things to say about Steph. But Steph is for another day. We can talk about Steph a whole other day. Uh, but I wanted to uh, get into some more of the uh, analytical questions. And I want to talk to you about, like, uh, how you've started, like, content creating with Blake and stuff. And it's been, it's been cool to watch, man. So I really like your show that you do with Blake. Hey, man, I appreciate it. We're actually going live pretty soon in about 30 minutes. That's why I had to head out. But, oh, yeah. for sure, for so sure. If you, if you can tune in, that'd be awesome. But, I would, man. Yeah. I would love to. So, uh, so, right, Blake and I have been friends since, like, kindergarten, like, elementary school, first mm -hmm. grade, second grade. I've known him since then. We've been friends. We always talk about football. He's a Packers fan. I'm a Niners fan, right? That's we had a running football. bet for, like, four or five years about the 49ers and Packers records and all yeah. that. So we've been friends. Uh, for me, the big thing was getting in touch with Grant, you know. How'd you do that? Like, it's a guy that people, if you got to know him, you would actually really like him. I feel like people get too caught up in his football opinions. He's a mm -hmm. really, really nice guy. He's as good a guy as I've ever met. Yeah. And he gave me the opportunity. Like, everybody wants to talk about sports, but nobody wants to put their name out there. And I was for another sure. guy who just didn't want to put my name out there. And Grant was the guy who put my name out there. And because he put my name out there, well, now all of a sudden I have a small little platform, whatever it is. And Blake and I have like talked about talking about sports and stuff. And now it was right there. It was easy, right? We didn't have to build it from the yeah. ground up because Grant just gave us this opportunity. Yeah. And I we started not, creating content yeah. that way. It's been going pretty good. I mean, it's just a hobby. It's just a place to talk about sports because mm -hmm. talking about sports is cathartic for me. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, with Grant, like what I've noticed is like, I, as a Niners fan, when he first came on the scene, like me and my brother would watch him like 2017, 2018, when he was doing like Periscopes for the Press Democrat. And we hated him. We were like, oh my God, this guy's so negative, blah, blah, blah. But the more and more like I would watch Grant, just the more and more like I realized there's a lot more like nuance to like what he's saying, you know, and like what he's tweeting. Like he throws out these little feelers to piss off a bunch of Niners fans that don't know yeah. like what he's doing. He enjoys and, that. Yeah. He enjoys that. Yeah. And, and that's what people can't get past. But if you get to, if you ever get a chance to actually talk to him, just one of the nicest people you've ever yeah. met. And the, here's, here's the thing I'll say about Grant that makes Grant like awesome. It's the fact that he's open to discourse. And Absolutely. He's open to disagreement. I've gone on his show, what, the last, we how many weeks have the Niners played? So the Niners have played 13 games, right? Yeah. So I've gone on his show for 13 weeks because I didn't go week one. So 13 weeks I've gone on his show. And I would say that on eight or not eight or nine of them, I've just flat out disagreed with him. Right. And the fact that he's open to that disagreement and he's okay with me sharing my opinion mm -hmm. and disagreeing with him and telling him he's wrong in whatever way I think he's wrong. It, it just yeah. tells you that he's a very good person that way because most people aren't open to having someone have a different sports opinion than that. And Absolutely. Grant is. No, I think, like, that's what I really like about Grant is that, like, he, he brings other – like, he has had such an increase in platform recently with his success in Sports Illustrated, but he's brought others up with him, like you, like Bolton, who he does his interviews from in Hungary, uh, like Jose Sanchez, Nick Newman, like all these other guys, and he's given them, like, their own little platforms, which, I mean, I think is super cool. He's, like, bringing other people up with him. Mm -hmm. um, and his own platform and that just proves like that he's like as a person I think he's a really good guy I mean yeah, to do that awesome. to do that like is is awesome and I've actually like really wanted to talk to him just about like media and like how it works and uh I've always wanted to do that and I actually DM'd him on Twitter but you know he's busy with the season and stuff so I'll, I'll let him know I'll let him know to hit you up hey man that would be fantastic thank you
I really yeah, appreciate for that. Sure, for sure. Yeah. I'll let him know. I'll let him know. But yeah, yeah. he's, he's just a really good guy. Like he has no reason, you know, like Absolutely. I started talk, I started talking to him about sports and stuff, you know, and I, and he had no reason to just give me an opportunity to come talk about it. And then just cause he had no reason to continue to give me an opportunity to come right. talk about it, but he's just super nice that way. And he's just very mm-hmm. genuine. Yeah. And just uh, real quick before I let you go, cause you only have a couple minutes here. I was just going to do like a quick rapid fire, just like different takes that you have with sports and uh, sure. just like more analytical nine questions. So um, we can go till we can go till about four twenty my time, so about two twenty your time. I okay, perfect. Yeah, that should be enough time, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. So my first question were like, what are your thoughts on this whole Niner QB fiasco that we got going on with Jimmy Garoppolo and him potentially leaving in twenty twenty one, but also the potential to draft a quarterback in the first round, and then also the Matt Stafford theory that I think you've really brought to light. So, yeah. So, I mean, I I feel like it's Grant's favorite topic to talk Niners QB. So it's something that I think people have heard my takes on a lot. And it's something I've rinsed and repeated a lot. So where I stand with Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not that I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback, but if the Rams had the money, if they had the monetary opportunity to move off Jared Goff, do you think they wouldn't take it? I think they would. Mm -hmm. The Niners have that opportunity with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's, It's, if you have a coach, who's scheming up plays that need to be executed where Jimmy Garoppolo misses the mark is that he's not the Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins type quarterback. The guy where if I scheme up 20 throws that should get you 17 for 20 for 250 yards, three touchdowns. Can you get me 17 for 20, 220, 50 yards and three touchdowns? He doesn't capitalize what's there, let alone make plays when there's nothing there. So that's where the people who really get hard on him it's like there's so much out here for you to get. Why aren't you executing this stuff? Like, it's not hard stuff, right? It's not, hey, it's not like, oh, you have to run around and beat three guys and throw a 30-yard laser to Travis Kelsey the way Mahomes right. does or yeah. Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf. It's, yeah. hey, just drop back, read this guy. This guy's wide open. He's wide open. Make the throw. So it's little stuff like that. Where I stand is that, I mean, I'd beat it to death. I would like the quarterback in 2021 to be Matthew Stafford. I love Matthew Stafford. I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. I think his talent, I don't think people realize how talented he is. Like this is one of the greatest arms of my lifetime. Certainly like the talent is, it's not Mahomes Rogers, but it's Josh Allen, but it's like that type of talent, you know? So I wish I've always wished that we could see his talent be capitalized by a great coach, which Kyle Shanahan is in a better situation because Detroit sucks. Let's, let's face it. They're a bad organization. Yeah. Yeah. He was picked by the zero and 16 lines. Now, are they going to get him? Who knows? I don't even know if they can get him. I think their situation isn't as good as people think it is. It's not as simple as, Oh, we'll cut Jimmy. Well, if you cut Jimmy and Stafford isn't available and Matt Ryan isn't available and Kirk Cousins isn't available. And let's say you're picking 13th and, the quarterbacks that you value high are going off the board. And everyone says, we'll trade up for a quarterback. Well, Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. they traded up. They traded up from to 12. They traded up to 10. Trading up to five, four, three is a totally different ball game. Just sure. ask the Rams with Goff yeah. and Eagles with Wentz and the Redskins, the, excuse me, the football team with Robert Griffin. So there's right. those factors where I don't think it's as simple as they can cut Jimmy because – they can't go into a season where you're going to have the highest paid tight end, one of the highest paid tackles, 
the highest paid linebacker and just say, mm-hmm. we're going to start Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, and see how it plays out with the rookie. For they sure. got to have a plan. And that's why everyone says just draft a guy. But it's not as simple as drafting a guy, right? Because for every Kyler Murray, you have a Dwayne Haskins. Exactly. So yeah. if you're going to get Kyler Murray, then yeah, draft a guy. Yeah. He'll be good the first year. You'll make the playoffs. And the second year, you can be thinking Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But if they don't get that guy, and it's like, because you're, this is not a win, we can win in two years just because of Kittle's age, right? Yeah. Kittle's body is taking beatings because of his play style. For sure. How many years can you rely on this? This is a win-now team. It has to be now. They can't waste next year. So I'm super intrigued on what they do, but I don't think it's a situation that you can just look at and say, well, if they move off of Jimmy, they're going to be good to go. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you, man. I, I really – like, as much as I like Jimmy as a quarterback – or as a person, I think as a quarterback, like, he's just obviously not cutting it. Like you were saying, he's missing wide-open reads. Like, just very, like, mistakes that shouldn't happen with a quarterback that's getting paid $27.5 million a year. Right. And clearly there needs to be a solution, but it's about finding out, like, what that is. And I guess, like, the early draft crush was Zach Wilson. Like, everyone was like, Zach, Zach, Zach. But I don't – I mean, just the way that Zach Wilson has been playing – and I mean, I don't know if you saw that Fields just – I, I don't know if he was dealing with an injury, but I heard he had an awful game today or yesterday. I don't know the exact Yeah, he, played, he had a rough game versus Northwestern. Yeah, and I think Fields is going to drop a little bit. I don't think he is. You don't think he will? I think, I think those three guys – I mean, you can't put so much stock, right? Everybody did this with Justin Herbert. Yeah. He had the one game against Auburn that Auburn, he looked Auburn, bad, yeah. and then he had the other game versus Arizona State. We're, and people were like, wow, he's getting outplayed by two freshman quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't watched a lot of fields. I'll be the first one to tell you. But you got to isolate, well, what's he doing? What's his offense asking him to do, right? Like Justin Herbert was in the worst offense, worst college right. offense. They ran two plays. They either threw the screen or they faked the screen and threw the nine route down the sideline. That's all they did on their mm-hmm. offense. But does it, can the guy throw how athletic he is? He, yeah. he checks every single box. Smart, yeah. athletic, I, tall, confident. He yeah. has all of those things. So he has all the physical traits. Right. So I wouldn't put too much stock into those two games. I think people are going to overblow it. I think you have to go back and watch. And I think all three of those guys, I'm not the biggest fields guy just based on what I have seen. I'm not the biggest. No, can't miss number one pick. Wilson's going to go in the top five. Like you can't throw the ball like that and not go in the top five, in my opinion. And fields has been physically gifted and he's been touted since high school. I think he's also going to go in the top five. So it's not like trading up to the top five to get a quarterback is really hard. It's mm-hmm. not easy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Um, and it, it kind of has to be like a right situation, right time type thing. And you have to like figure out the financials and there's a lot of numbers behind it. To, you got to be aggressive to, yeah. with a lot of picks and you have to be willing to, you have to find a partner. Like yeah. there's other players in the top five that are non quarterbacks that teams might look at in mm-hmm. value and say, if you're only offering me one first round pick, well, yeah. Okay. This is just a fun question. Uh, what is your hottest take that just proved to be completely and utterly wrong? My hottest take. Mine is There's a lot, but I'm trying to think which one's the hottest. You want me to go first? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. I said Patrick Mahomes would be a bust when he came out of college. I thought he would be an utter and complete bust. I like, I just, I didn't see it. And like, obviously I was a 17 year old evaluating a quarterback at the time, clearly not an expert. Um, but like, I saw like the obvious arm talent, right? Like they would show, like I, it would come up on Instagram, like those highlight reels where you throw like end zone to end zone and like, mm-hmm. you know, those like crazy throws. I thought he was just like, 
do you know like I don't know if you know who like Mac McClung is and like do you, do you remember seeing like his high school mixtapes of how he was just crazy dunking over everyone and he was just like a highlight real guy and I kind of equated Patrick Mahomes with Mac McClung in a lot of ways just like as a highlight real player and I just thought like he was just going to be a guy who would who was all flash but like when it came down to it wouldn't be able to execute obviously I was incorrect <laughs> look what happened um but yeah that was just my very hot take I, I mean I don't know if it's hot but I, I thought Josh Rosen I didn't think he was going to be the best quarterback from that draft I thought it was going to be Josh Allen but I think I I thought he would be second or third if I remember correctly I like Josh Rosen a lot like I liked him a lot I just love the way he threw the ball his balance He's got a pretty throw yeah run. I just love the way he threw the ball yeah and I, I particularly liked a couple of his choices with hats and all of those kinds of things. <laughs> so yeah. I was, I was, yeah, I was a big Josh Rosen guy. But if I remember correctly, I was big on the other four, three quarterbacks too. I just didn't like Darnold. But yeah, mm -hmm. I would say that was my hot take. I think maybe if yeah. you asked me at the time, I might have said I think Rosen's yeah. the best out of them. I don't remember for sure if I said that because I do remember I liked Allen Baker and Lamar a lot too. Yeah. I didn't like Darnold, but yeah, I, I, I did like Rosen way too much given how he turned out. For sure. Way For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this one's from one of my friends. He says, hi, he's a big fan of yours. Um, and well, just I appreciate big fan, that. Big fan of your takes. Uh, he's a Patriots guy. So his question was like, what do you, who do you think is winning the Brady Belichick situation now? And who do you think in the long term will win that divorce? I hate – I'm actually – I hate that narrative. That's really? that's another load of media-created garbage. Yeah. Like, for me, it's like asking you – it's like asking someone, like, which hand is better? Is my right hand better? If so, if I cut off my left hand, will I be better if I cut off my right hand? Well, actually, not even a good example because mm -hmm. most people have a dominant hand, right? Most <laughs> people aren't ambidextrous, yeah. so not a good yeah. analogy. But the point is, I think both of them have kind of – enhance each other in their own ways like to be a coach of Belichick's level Kyle is finding it out you need an all-time great quarterback and to be an all-time great quarterback just ask Aaron Rodgers you need an all-time great coach to be that level of thing so they're both perfect for each other that way I would probably argue that Belichick is winning it right now I think what I think the Bucks are tending to be a kind of a disappointment given their talent and I think the Patriots if they go eight and eight would be have a great season given their talent. So I would tend to say Belichick. And if you said long-term, I would also go Belichick because, you know, Brady is going to still be able to throw the ball when he's 45, 46, 47. I don't think that's the problem. Everybody's been harping on that too much. Like he still can sling it. He's got an arm. He's got one of the best arms, I think, in NFL history. It's just so underrated how good he's been able to throw the ball his entire career. And, but I think that the thing is for him is that he doesn't, he looks gunshot. He doesn't want to take the hits that he was taking. Yeah. And so that means that I think he's got one or two more years to fix this and, and get a chance to win a Super Bowl. Well, I think Belichick might have something long-term building just to build another roster built around run game defense. And if Josh McDaniel stayed creative play calling and get a quarter, get the type of quarterback that, you know, Brady was at the beginning of his career, cheap, smart, makes good decisions, clutch, and you can win with great defense, great special teams running the ball. Do you think Garoppolo is an answer in New England? Just to follow yeah, I, I think he would be a good option for them. Yeah. I, I don't, I think the thing with him is that he might need maybe 
one year or like just a little bit of time to take a step back just yeah. himself and all of that I don't know where he is yeah. from a mental standpoint I feel he like just a lot what what he's gone sorry to cut you off but like I feel like what he's gone through just in the last like it's been a whirlwind his career yeah, he's like, gone from, through a lot from 2017 to 2020 that man like I know he's only played what 35 games 32 games something like that but the amount that he has gone through in 32 games is like enough to like pack a real career like he is yeah yeah right yeah. he's gone through all the ups he's had the dramatic injury mm-hmm. he's had the highest of highs to getting to the Super Bowl he's had the media doubt he's had the media claim in 2017 he's had the entire career in a span of like what two and a half three years agreed yeah that's insane to me like that's like crazy and just last question this is an, an, from another one of my friends big fan uh, he says, where do you see Sala going as a head coach? And where do you think, like, uh, so, like, where do you see Sala going as a head coach, like, realistically? But, like, what would be, like, your dream fit, in your opinion? Uh, I think, realistically, I think Detroit's the job he's going to end up taking. I think that's I the place he's most connected to. Uh, I think for him, the dream job, if you're any head coach, probably Jacksonville right now. Grant keeps talking yeah, about it. And I think Jacksonville. he's right. Yeah. You're getting a top five pick, ton of money. I mean, Trent Baalke, Trader Trent has accumulated what? They have five picks in the top 60. So you have all these resources to build a roster. And you have a couple of players you can build around. I like C.J. Henderson. Miles Jack is very good. I mean, Miles Jack is what everybody wants Quan Alexander to be. Exactly. So he's really good. Mm-hmm. James Robinson's showing something. They have a couple offensive linemen here and there that are something to build. I like on. Chark and Chanel, too. Special. So I would say Jacksonville would be the job if if you're not getting the Chargers job. Agreed. uh, Justin Herbert and maybe the Bengals, but Joe Burrow's injury that looked real bad. Like it, just the way they describe it, it just seemed like it was like it felt like I don't want to say career ending, but like it felt like he's not going to be the same. Like it almost feel like he like restructured his knee. Like it was like I don't know. He's going to get his knee back there, right? It's going to take him some time to get back to that yeah. confidence upstairs and right. stuff like but I think Joe Burrow just mentally just he's he gives me like elite vibes just like mentally like he's I love Joe Burrow yeah. too yeah he's a very good quarterback um but yeah man I mean I if you have time for one more question yeah let's do it let's okay do it. cool 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 uh let me scroll up okay so I have to ask you you were a Niners fan during 2016 the whole Kaepernick thing like what were your thoughts just like personally but also like as a Niners fan what were you what were your thoughts on like how the organization handled it this is like a debate I have with my friends all the time yeah Mm, I think they handled it as good as an NFL organization could have handled it I I wish they handled it better obviously you wish that but and you can't expect more from NFL organizations the people that run them Mm-hmm. My thoughts originally was, I you know, I didn't feel that strongly. I didn't even understand that it was such a big deal. Like, right. I was just not – I guess I never put into, like, I just stood for the national anthem because other people stood for the national anthem. I put my – for a little bit, I did the hand on my heart too because I saw other people do it. And then after a while, I just stood. But it was just something I did. I didn't realize the significance actually until – or the gravity – because I'd seen so many people do so many disrespectful, disrespectful things during the national anthem and nobody even reacted, you know, how many people blew their nose during the national anthem or mm-hmm. how many people do all those kinds of things. So I never realized the gravity of what he did until he did it. 
it just bothered too many people. I personally was always of the mindset of if he wants to express himself in any kind of way, he should be able to. That's what this country is all about. And he did express himself. He expressed himself for a great cause. He's doing great work, you know, like hats off to him. But yeah, during that time, like, I think that's when I personally, like, if my own, like, I started understanding, like, the world around me, the way they view certain things Mm -hmm. and the way certain things are viewed and all that. I didn't understand those things until he actually took the leap of faith and did it. And, you know, hats off to him for having the courage to do it. And I thought what he did was fantastic. I, Mm -hmm. I still think, you know, I thought he played well in 2016 better but I didn't think he played he was like playing his best ball so I was a little down on him as a player but I definitely thought he deserved at least a backup job in the NFL and all that it's unfortunate I think at this point I think just kind of there's bad blood I don't really like the fact that he constantly keeps putting stuff out that I'm still not employed and stuff like I think I've reached a point where I totally get that he's been screwed and all of that but he's also done some really great things in other avenues of life and I just wish at some point he would just let it he would just because he is the bigger person he is he would stop just being petty with the NFL and just say screw Mm -hmm. you I'm done I'm gonna go and I'm gonna continue to make all these impactful changes to other people and because he is doing all those things and just leave the NFL alone because Every time he puts out the workout video and stuff, I feel like he's rehashing something where he's already been proven right. And he's way too good a person, way too smart to just keep doing this over and Mm -hmm. over again. Yeah. And uh, with that, I think that's a good stopping point there. Uh, Thank you so much, Vish, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for Um, having me. I'll reach out to Brent. I'll tell Brent tomorrow. Of course. I would appreciate that. Um, But yeah. enjoyed that conversation with Vish as much as I did. I know that this was something a little different than what you're used to on the normal podcast, but honestly, sports is a huge part of my life, and it's really interesting to get to have conversations like these and really get to know why people are fans of particular teams and also the story behind the sport. Again, the 49ers are a huge part of my identity, so it was an absolute pleasure getting to talk to Vish. who is someone who is very knowledgeable about the team and also just as big a fan and as passionate about the 49ers as I am. If you like this podcast and want more sports content in the future, let me know. Hit me up on Instagram at Essential Question Podcast. Also hit me up on Twitter at EssentialQU1. And also feel free to email me if you hate social media at EssentialQuestionPodcast at gmail.com. Also, before I forget, make sure to follow Vish on Twitter. If you're a Niner fan or really... Well, mostly a Niner fan. Feel free to follow him on Twitter at Vish Kumarin. But also, if you're a huge fan of the NFL and the NBA and you just like listening to people's takes about sports, feel free to follow Vish at on his YouTube or feel free to subscribe to Vish's YouTube channel that he also runs with his friend Blake and they're called Blake and Vish Sports. I'll link both Vish's Twitter and his YouTube channel down below. Feel free to check him out. He's a great follow. Blake and Vish Sports is excellent. Would highly recommend. And again, for me, if you guys could follow me on Spotify, follow this podcast, get notifications, that would be amazing. Also, feel free to follow me on both Instagram and Twitter for updates on when new podcasts are coming out. And 
Also, lastly, if you are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, feel free to hit the subscribe button and also the like button. That would be incredible, and it just makes this podcast so much more visible. Thank you all so much again for listening. I hope you guys have an excellent New Year's Eve. You stay safe, and I'll be seeing you guys next week for the first episode of 2021. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a good one.